0: Welcome to Podsetera. Each episode is a journey of discovery as we delve into topics that pique our curiosity and yours. We feature in-depth interviews with fascinating individuals who have extraordinary
1: stories to share. I'm Renee Lego. I'm Joel Ludovich, and this is PodCetera. <laughs> Indira, welcome to PodCetera. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome, Rene. Thank you for having me and Joel, I also should say, Could you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: I am was born in the former Yugoslavia, came to this country in 1996, I was in banking industry back home so immediately looked for a job in banking here worked for Bank of America for 8 years after that ended up working for the State Department foreign service and then about 10 years ago I decided to start my own business because while in banking at Bank of America, I worked for small business division, and all of my clients were small business owners. So that was something really mesmerizing to me that almost anybody and everybody that I knew owned some kind of small business, which was totally new to me after coming from the former Yugoslavia having a socialist system where most employers were large corporations owned by the state. These small businesses everywhere creating jobs and economy booming here in the U.S. Um, it was, was something totally new. So started small business about eight years ago. And I'm a mom, wife, love my small business and work really hard to develop it. And I'm grateful for this opportunity to tell you my story.
1: A lot of people, I think, don't necessarily know anybody from the Balkans. Can you describe who are Balkan people? Can you tell us about the region? Sure.
0: Uh, Balkan Peninsula is located on the southern side of all of Europe. So Europe has three great peninsulas on the southern side northern mediterranean spain and portugal and then apennine peninsula is italy and the third great peninsula which is balkan peninsula so on the southern side is greece above that is albania northern macedonia bulgaria romania and the former yugoslavian countries which are slovenia which is right next to italy then you have croatia then bosnia Montenegro, Serbia, Kosovo, that's about it. So a lot of different countries, a lot of different languages, a lot of different cultures, because we speak different languages, but really we all have common history. When I decided to create a brand of wine and started importing wine as something that didn't exist here in the U.S. when I decided to start the business, I wanted to tell the story about our common history at the time of ancient Illyria. So to me, we all look kind of the same. Somebody has a little darker hair or lighter or, you know, blue eyes or green eyes or brown eyes. But again, by speaking so many different languages, I guess we all develop different cultures a little bit. But we eat pretty much the same food. People down at the coastal regions on Mediterranean, Adriatic Sea uh, Agency, eat lots of fish and totally like Mediterranean style diet. We're inland a little bit. It's more continental. So potatoes, lots of lamb, beef, and but mostly lamb, really. So that's the food we eat. We love music like most people in the world and dancing. We have our, you know, national dances and hard-working people. Definitely anybody that I met here in the U.S. that immigrated about 30 years ago during and after our unfortunate civil war or fall of Yugoslavia. Maybe parents didn't get educated. A lot of them did, but all children that came with their parents about 20, 30 years ago, they all have PhDs, they're highly educated. I hope I answered the question.
2: Could you tell us a little bit about your journey here to the United States?
0: I came here to this country and I spoke zero English. I had college education from home. I had a great job in banking. We had decent life. And then the war happened and everything fell apart. Came here and quickly realized that, wow, I can clean houses maybe? because I couldn't speak any English, or I can go back to school again and start from scratch. And I sure did. I went to ESL courses, English as a Second Language courses, at the Burlington Community College in New Jersey. That's where I was. They tested my English and placed me in the basic course so to learn the first sentence my name is so i kept going to school maybe five or six months every night i applied for a job at first union bank at that time they gave me the cd that i had to learn material about banking and pass that test And then they will give me an interview. I just put that CD in the computer and I didn't know any words, not a single word. So I had four days to complete this. It took like open dictionary and translate the sentence first and then make sense of it. I have no idea how I passed the test. They did give me extension of two more days, but I passed that test somehow and got a job to start as a teller at Tellerline, where you really need to learn their system, computer system to process simple transactions and say hello to people and that's it. So I was able to get the job and continued going to school at night. So completed all ESL courses, then I was going to some courses, American Institute of Banking to learn some banking vocabulary, And then after that, I decided, okay, this is not enough. I learned that I could evaluate my diploma from home. So I did get some credits, maybe math and statistics. I didn't have to retake again, but it took me about four or five years to get my undergrad. And then after that, master's. So my message to any person that comes to this country is an immigrant that can't speak the language really well, go to school, get education. You might have even PhD from home. Go to school, evaluate your diplomas, and then work hard to get education here. And that's the only way to me. So that was the hardest obstacle to overcome is learning the language. Once I was able to learn the language, the next job I got was from First Union to Bank of America. Within eight years, I became a vice president for small business banking at the largest bank in the U.S., actually second largest bank in the U.S. at that time. I was getting promotion, great company to work for, and that was another thing that I, I was just impressed with corporations here. They gave this immigrant that spoke hardly any English a chance, and I succeeded in that organization.
2: I teach at a a state university, and we have a lot of first-gen students. And I think your messaging will inspire them to keep going to school and not to give up. Absolutely. That's the way. You might need to work
0: all day long, some low-pay job until you learn the language, until you get your education here, and then no doors will close in front of
2: you.
1: Let's talk about the transition from banking. You were on a meteoric rise through the ranks at Bank of America. What made you decide that you wanted to stop working in banking? You did transition to another career before you started your wine business. Can we talk about that transition first before we talk about wine? I was moving up and up and up in banking, and it was
0: great, satisfying. I loved my job. But my husband had changed his career, and he was in IT industry. He grew up as a child of military officer and lived all over the world. His dream job was to work for U.S. government, foreign service, and travel the world and represent his country overseas. And so Jim got offer with the State Department, foreign service. So he was asking me, what do I do? What can we do? I mean, I was doing so well in my career and it was hard decision to make. And I said, hey, let's look at the opportunities that I will have with the foreign service as well. And we looked at everything and decided I'll quit my job with Bank of America and work at embassies wherever uh, we were posted. We were In Europe, most of the the time, the 13 years that we were overseas before I started my small business. So we went to Latvia. Then after that, Serbia, three years in Belgrade. After that, uh, Sarajevo, Bosnia, four years. And the last assignment that I stayed with was in Vienna in Austria. Jim was in Pakistan, Afghanistan, and other assignments that I didn't go with him. One of the things I worked in while in Bosnia was at the economic section. U.S. government was giving aid to Bosnia to recover after the war. So we were investing a lot of money and time to create jobs because unemployment was so high, like Utah unemployment was 67%. Brain drain was the biggest issue Bosnia was dealing with, not only Bosnia, but all former Yugoslavian countries really had the same issues. It just happened that I was working in Sarajevo at the embassy. We were developing wood industry. Instead of having Bosnia cut the timber and sell timber, which is very inexpensive, we were teaching them to build furniture and help them develop wood uh, furniture industry, a lot more money if you sell a piece of furniture rather than a piece of timber, right? But one thing I always felt was we were not connecting the producers to buyers. That was the last missing piece that I always felt we should be doing. And U.S. government now has programs like that helping countries enter markets but not at that time when I was working there. So it really was my husband that always kept saying when I would complain about, oh, we're not doing this. It's like, well, you always talked about having your own business, why don't you start a business? You import something that they produce and you help them open the market. That's how you're talking. It was really something... I would say amazing. I had education on how this should be working. I knew the theory, but to really go ahead and start your own business, it was a little scary, but I decided to do it. So then I looked at what Bosnia could export at that time, and it was just few products. One of the products that they were always making for thousands of years, and they have long history of winemaking not only bosnia but croatia montenegro slovenia northern macedonia all those countries in the balkans the northern mediterranean is actually a cradle of winemaking the climate is perfect for growing grapes so the wines are to me better than any wines from anywhere else in the world so that's one thing that i started researching the wine industry and i realized Nobody was bringing wines from that region here to the U.S. Everywhere you looked, at every store, every restaurant, they had so many Italian wines, French wines, and of course, a wines produced in the U.S., but nothing from that region, nothing from Greece, nothing from Bulgaria and all these former Yugoslavian countries. So that was the product, the decision was made what to import. Wow, what a learning curve. I didn't know anything about wine industry, didn't know how all of this works. I contacted the National Association of Importers of the U.S. to talk to them, and their reaction was, oh, this is very regulated. You should contact attorneys to help you through this process to get licensing, sounded scary, but I'm not afraid to learn. If you can learn something, you can learn anything that you want to learn.
1: If you weren't afraid to learn the process at First Union in four days, I think you're not afraid of anything.
0: No, but nobody should be really. You just need to be willing to put time and effort into it, but it pays back anytime you invest. In learning, anything that you need to know is is worth it.
1: Let's break this down. You decide, you and your husband decide, okay, I'm really going to do this. I'm going to start this wine business. Did you start here in the U.S. with the paperwork or did you start with the wine in the Balkans? Walk us through the process. What came first? Great question.
0: Actually, the first step was meeting one of the best winemakers from Herzegovina, And I was asking him, hey, how much you produce, kind of wine you make, where do you sell? And this was before we left for Austria. And he's telling me where he sells his wine. I'm like, do you have anybody in Austria? I'm moving there. He said, no, I would love some connection in Austria. So I'm like, well, let's exchange phone numbers I don't really know if I will meet anybody there, but if I do, I sure will connect you with a buyer, possibly, in Austria. So that was the very first step. Then I come to Austria, and American community of, of all diplomats that live there and other expats, a lot of Americans lived in, in Vienna, I met Daryl Joseph, who is decanter, magazine writer. Decanter judge. He specializes in Balkan native varieties. He is originally from his family is originally from Croatia, but he was American. He moved to London years ago to work for Coca-Cola first and ended up judging and writing about wine as well. So not only Balkan wines, but all other wines. So I would go down, i talked talk to him, what do you think about these wines in the U.S.? Would U.S. public drink these wines? And he's like, absolutely, the quality of the wines from the Balkans is amazing, and the price is so low comparing to the quality of wines from, let's say, Italy or France. I would bring samples from all the wineries in Bosnia. I would go down bring samples. Daryl would sit down and taste these wines with me and tell me, oh, see, this would be good for whatever, Thanksgiving dinner, this, this wine is interesting because of this. I learned so much from him. And of course, I kept reading about the wine industry and wines. So really, everything started in Austria. I even ended up starting a company in Austria where I didn't speak any German and I was trying to sell Bosnian wine to Austrian companies. So that was a little taste of how this industry works. And in the same time, started looking into how to import in the U.S., learned that Tobacco and Trade Bureau is responsible actually for importing alcoholic beverages and all the regulations. I would go on their website and read about it. If I had any questions, if it was confusing for me, I would just call Tobacco and Trade Bureau and ask them. It's their job to teach me how to do this business legally and properly. I would go and get information from the source. That's what I do. I don't talk to other people and get misinformed. I go to the source and get the information firsthand. Plus, I save thousands of dollars in paying attorneys to help me get these licenses. I did it all myself.
2: Could you tell us the name of your company? It's
0: Wines of Illyria is the brand of wine that I created. Every winery has their own labels and their own brand, right? And I would go and look at those wines and taste them. and But I felt like... I had to make the decision what kind of wine I'm going to import. And I could have imported international varieties like Chardonnay, Merlot, Cabernet, which they do produce in those countries in the Balkans, or these native varieties that they have, Platina, Vranac, Plavac Mali, Teranjak, Žilavka, Tamjanika, Jagoda, all these other varieties that Americans never had before. I decided, why make it easy on myself and import Chardonnay or Marlot or Cab? Let's make it difficult on myself and, and try to make Vranats and Blatina popular in the U.S. And that's what I've been doing. People from the industry here in the U.S. told me, you can make decision and bring the cheapest wine they produce, the mass-produced wines, which we do have. Some wineries produce larger quantities. The low-quality wine that is about $10 or less on the shelf in the U.S., most of the wine sold in the U.S. is at that price level. Or you can decide to bring really rare, premium-quality wines that you wouldn't sell much of, it would be harder to sell, but you can build a reputation to be known that you're bringing amazing wines. And people are not gonna question, if they hear you imported, they would just automatically buy. That is another decision that was choosing really the harder path. I wanted to educate American wine enthusiasts on these native varieties I wanted to bring them premium quality, but I needed these wines to be also affordable. I'm going to bring premium wines, so pay premium price for them. I will make one single dollar per bottle, but I'm going to sell millions of bottles. When I sell 10 million bottles... I'm just going to retire. I don't need more than 10 million dollars to retire. So, and I thought that that was an easy goal. Only New York City has 10 million people. So I'm like, it shouldn't be hard to sell 10 million bottles of wine. That's every person in New York City to buy one bottle of my wine once in their lifetime.
1: The interesting part of what you're doing is the nod to the history that you're highlighting in the wine and the winemaking of that region. I was reading an article, the harvesting of grapes in that region dates back as early as Neolithic times. So this is 5650 BC. Great history of of wine in that region that does not get highlighted. Great question. Thank you for bringing me back to that, to the long history,
0: thousands of years, long history of of winemaking. So the decision was, I'm bringing premium wines, I'm bringing native varieties, but I'm going to have a hard time teaching people how to pronounce zilavka, Mali, trnjak. If I bring these native varieties and I bring labels in Bosnian, it's going to be really hard. People couldn't pronounce the names of those varieties. They couldn't read the labels. What do I do now? During the research, I'm reading the article, and actually I met the professor of archaeology that is in Mostar. In 2007, they discovered parts of wooden ship and almost 500 amphoras, the clay pots, that used to carry wine. This was south of Mostar at this national wildlife refuge at the bottom of the lake. It's called Huttovoblato, and it was buried in the mud so these amphoras and pieces of ship got preserved for thousands of years archaeologists could tell they were at least 2100 years old or older that was a proof that wine was made one of the proofs that wine was made at a time of ancient illyrians so it was ancient illyria 2200 years ago and back in history for about 400 and some years. I thought, wow, Americans are going to love the story that will come with wine. They will love the story that these winemakers, their families' histories go back thousands of years. They know how to make wine. They have always made wine. And so that is how I decided maybe I'll just create my own brand of wines. All of my labels have a map of ancient Illyria and Italy there because I wanted people, when they see the label, I wanted them to know immediately, oh, this is Italy on the map and this is right next to Italy. So, okay, these are Mediterranean warm climate wines, which is important to know if the wine comes from a cool climate or warm climate. Big difference between those wines. And so that's how I decided and created a brand Wines of Illyria. My logo is Illyrian ship. It looks like Viking ship. People say, oh, is this Viking ship? No, it's Illyrian ship. But all the ships at that time looked alike everywhere. So they built them just so. All the wines are only native varieties. And I continue to build and find and source new varieties. Like recently, I found this ancient variety that grows in Serbia only called Jagoda that I never, never knew about before. I have wines produced in Bosnia,
1: in Croatia, and in Serbia, but more is coming. You have red wine, white wine. Do you have bubbly as well? And you have brandy too. So tell us about all of the types. I
0: have, it's been going on for full seven years that I was selling wine and everybody loved the wine that I was bringing and especially people from the Balkans that the immigrants here and their children and friends, they all started asking, hey, can you bring our brandies too? Because we drink brandies a lot. Brandy is actually alcoholic drink that's made from fruit. And so we make brandies in the continental part of the country from plums, which is Slivovica, one of the most popular. We make brandy from apple, from pear, any kind of fruit. And malina, which is raspberry, which grows in in Serbia mostly. But down by the coast where wineries are, they make brandy from grapes. Most of the brandies made from grapes are made from the leftover after wine is pressed, the juice is pressed, and leftover skins and flesh. Again, I want to bring the best they can possibly make. A winemaker in Herzegovina made me brandy clear brandy from a whole cluster Vranats grape. It's called Loza or grappa in Italy, they call it, but this is the highest quality sipping, beautiful grappa that you can have. He steeped sun-dried figs for six months and made me fig brandy. No sugar added or anything, just fruits for six months. And then they are removed, and you have brandy made with fig flavor, and then cherry brandy made the same way, and our most popular digestive, really, it's orahovacca made with green walnuts, so green walnuts are picked in June before the fruit is developed inside, and so the skin, the whole fruit, green fruit, is used, steeped in this high-quality grappa or loza, for 4 months and it's pretty bitter so we had to add some honey so some sweetener had to be added and I chose no sugar we will have honey because they do produce honey everywhere in Bosnia a lot of honey actually
1: I want to educate Joel about this a little bit Joel I've been to you know the former Yugoslavia a number of times and everywhere you go people will make homemade rakia and will make their own versions of this, some they will take cherries in the summer, they will put a whole bunch of their homemade liqueur in, and and then they'll put the cherries in and let it sit in the sun for two months and then invite you to come in the back porch and have their own or they'll invite you into their garage where they have their own. It almost feels like it's its own backyard industry there. When she said that she had some here, I could not believe it. you can't find it anywhere in the us. Oh wow. she's literally the only one that's impressive. So I'm very excited next week when I return home to have some. And not only brandy.
0: I brought something else. People started asking for beer because we have some amazing beers as well. Vivo, yes. So I have now Sadaevsko Premium Lager as well, which is European style, good quality lager. And I sell to distributors. When they, they taste it, they the first reaction is, wow. They have good water. The brewery that I import from is from Sarajevo in Bosnia-Herzegovina, and we had Winter Olympics in 1984 in Sarajevo. So at the foot of one of the Olympics mountains is, Olympic mountains is the brewery Sarajevska. They have their own springs, three springs of water. No city water with all the chemicals is used. It's just a spring water. The difference between this beer and, let's say, Heineken, which is also lager, Heineken, it takes four days to make and age. This takes about 48 to 50 days to age Sarajevo premium lager.
2: Comparison, yeah.
1: (laughs) I can verify that the water in Sarajevo tastes good as well.
2: I'm just interested in where you're talking about how the things are produced and the wines and the brandy and the beers take longer and so to speak and so how can you offer such a premium quality at a moderate price because here you know if you have premium quality you're going to pay for it right yeah great question i decided
0: to have a tiny margin i still don't have employees I do my taxes, I do my bookkeeping, I do my marketing, I do my selling, education, everything myself. So when you buy a bottle of my wine, you are buying premium wine with no marketing dollars attached to it. So big companies, when you see a massive stack of wine in the store and they have all these signs and fancy packaging and they have advertisements on tv and billboards and all of that you pay when you buy those wines when you buy my wines there's none of that so you get premium quality for next to nothing i'm willing to work hard and i'm still hoping that this company I will create something serious that I can actually retire from. It's a harder path that I chose to take, but it's really satisfying to teach consumers on something really good. And so they get a chance to drink wine that should be $120 or $100 a bottle. They buy it for $25 or, you know, my most expensive wine is $35 all of them are about 20 some,
2: less than $25. So, so very affordable and delicious. And then the other question I had was about um, what's the ideal climate to grow the grapes, make the wine.
0: Climate is so important for growing grapes. There is major difference in between wines that come from a cool climate or wines that come from a warm climate. Wine that comes from a cool climate, maybe higher elevation or geographically further, you know, north or south-south, right, Uh, where the climate is cooler, they typically have higher acidity. Those wines typically have stronger tannins. They tend to have not as much alcohol because not enough sun, so the sugars in the fruit don't have enough time to develop so they tend to be lower alcohol in those wines my preferred wines come from a warm climate those wines higher sugar levels develop in the fruit and during fermentation all that sugar turns into alcohol so ideal good quality wine has about 13 or 14% of alcohol and having a glass of that wine it's just it's perfect good for our health The tannins in those wines tend to be smooth. They don't pucker your mouth. The acidity is not as pronounced. So those are all attributes of the wine that a well-made wine has, The, the sugar levels, the alcohol, the tannins, the acidity. So I prefer wines that come from a warm climate. All of the wines that I import are warm climate wines. The climate on Dalmatia and Herzegovina is almost identical to Tuscany in Italy. So we have dry, long, warm summers, not a lot of rain. There's no need for uh, winemakers to spray grapes with fungicides or any kind of chemicals. The climate is just perfect for letting grapes grow and produce perfect fruit, and then the wine is good with no additives added, no coloring, no any other chemicals to make wine taste good. It tastes good just like that. The juice fermented, aged, bottled, and that's it.
1: If I'm not mistaken, the wine industry is pretty male-dominated. From being a sommelier to working in distribution or operations or owning a a winery. You don't strike me as someone who is intimidated by that. Have you experienced any obstacles from your male counterparts, you know, building this business? Or do you not even think about it? I do think about it. And I'm glad you asked me that because this is a reality. I hate to even ask the question. It's a male-dominated world. I hope for a day when we don't have to ask that question. But here we are. I do too. But
0: unfortunately, we do have that issue still exists. So many times I would walk in to present my wines to the owner of the store. And they would ask me, oh, is this your hobby? Or what does your husband do? They don't take me seriously. They don't feel like they should give me business. They think, Oh, somebody's supporting her. You know, her husband works and he has income. I don't need to give her business. But then there are companies, there are small business owners, owners of boutique wine shops, owners of some restaurants. There are women business owners that give me wings when they buy from me they keep me going they afford me all the respect they listen about my wine they agree immediately to taste it once they taste the wine they immediately buy it there's no question but so many people don't even want to try it not only because i'm a woman-owned business but also they don't want to do something that's so hard they would need then to educate their own customers on these wines hey you haven't had bosnian wines do you want to try it it takes work rather than somebody coming in and they're asking for josh because they've heard about josh or any other like big brands they're everywhere it's so much easier to buy those But I am asking all the women first and all the men that are all about supporting women-owned businesses, please take us seriously. Please buy from us. When I need any kind of service, I always look for women-owned business first. I do support other women in business, and I'm asking all women out there to do the same. We help have to help each other first but we also have to learn from men they have been doing this always they always own businesses they always did deals they they know how to network they know how to help each other when another man walks in their office or their business they immediately listen and it's understood that they're going to give them business because that man has to support a family. It still is like that in our society everywhere. Don't get me wrong. The U.S. is the best of all places in the world, I think. We're ahead of others, but we have a lot to improve in that field.
1: What advice would you give men on how to be better partners to women in business? What can they do better? Give us business. Be
0: our mentors. Buy from us help us promote us don't discount what we do and there are a lot of men that do not they are great partners be an ally yes but i just don't want to forget to talk about the next request i had from my customers but they now wanted to actually go and visit the countries that these products come from. So they kept asking me, Indira, could you organize trips to take us back to your country? Now, if you go on my website, winesofiliria.com there is a Bosnia-Croatia wine trip. It's a 10-day trip each September and each May, so twice a year. September is a perfect time because that's a harvest season and may is also a great time when the grapes start growing i want people to fully experience the balkans we'll visit wineries we'll see all the nature sites our lakes our waterfalls historic sites we have so many places to show like from history to share with people unesco protected sites our coastline I want people to have a great time, not only, you know, to experience wine country. The next one will be May of 2024 and then September 24.
1: Did you just start doing that this year?
0: I just put that together.
1: I'm ready to go back. <laughs> That's our trip next year, Renee. <laughs> I'm overdue. It's been a couple of years. been there like five times. Oh. Joelle, you've never been, right? I've never been.
2: You're the world traveler of the group here, of us. <laughs> she, she loves traveling. So, through both these processes, coming here and establishing yourself as a small business owner, connoisseur of wines, and what have you learned about yourself through those processes?
0: Wow. Great question. I definitely am not afraid of learning, I love to learn i can learn anything that i put my mind to i don't give up i just keep going this is really hard industry it's very competitive there's so much competition there's so much great wine that we produce here in the u.s in california and oregon washington state new york also produces some good wines we have wines in virginia great wines, but then all the amazing French wines, Italian, Spain is doing great bringing their wines, Portugal, South America, everybody, even from Australia. It's really hard, highly competitive industry. It's not easy to get customers to hear about my wines and try them. In order for people to buy, the store has to offer it. In partnership with a liquor store, I built a e-store on my website as well so people can actually order wines on my website and they can be delivered to most states, not all the states. So, for example, Utah State, you cannot ship to Utah, but the state of Utah is one of my buyers. So I sell to the state of Utah six different wines that I import.
1: As a businesswoman... What advice would you have for a woman or even a man who wanted to start their own business and like maybe they're dreaming, hey, I want to quit this job and I want to start something I'm really passionate in like this?
0: If you feel like you have a solution for somebody's, some problem, right, that you can solve, if you have a product that can satisfy a need, you want to be a small business owner, You're willing to work hard, maybe to not even quit your job, current job, but work that job and do the business part time at the beginning until you can make money and can afford to quit your daily job. Go for it. Don't be afraid. Ask for help. If you have support from the family and friends, you can do it. I help constantly other small businesses. There's a lot of immigrants, first generation that are cooking the food from their own home country and want to open a restaurant but don't know how to apply for these licenses. I help them for free. I help them because their English is so poor and it's easy for me. I already learned how to do this. So Find somebody that will help you. You don't have to spend money always. People will do things for free for you.
1: So go for it. We're going to do the speed round now. If you could be anywhere in the world right now holding a glass, I'm assuming, of your wine, where would it be?
0: Definitely in Herzegovina Wine Country, one of the wineries. Most of them have beautiful hotels and places to stay right in the middle of their vineyards the sun is warm the vineyards are all around me there are olive trees around me fig trees that's what I would love
2: to be that's awesome what makes you laugh the most my husband he makes jokes all the time no he has a good sense of humor that's
1: important (laughs) do you have a motto or a piece of advice that you live by I treat people
0: the way I want other people to treat me. It would be great if everybody would live by that. Really would.
2: What motivates you to work hard?
0: The whole reason for starting this business was to hopefully open U.S. market for these wineries from Bosnia-Herzegovina, create demand for their product here in the U.S., and that would create jobs for young people back home. That was the motivation for me to start the
1: business. I'm still hoping to make a difference in that sense. That's a very good reason. Okay, let's do the whisper down the lane question. What is the best piece of advice that you've received? My father comes to mind.
0: He was always telling me to believe in myself, and I think that's been my guide.
2: Excellent. Thank you. Where can we find your wines in the U.S.? In order for people to find the closest
0: retail store that carries our wine, we built a Google map on our website. As soon as the store or restaurant buys our wine, we add their address and name on our Google map. So that way you can find the closest location. On my website, com, you can order and I can ship to most states. Another store that ships everywhere is Astor Wine in New York City. I believe they have license to ship everywhere, but they have only three different wines of ours. They, however, could order any wine
1: and be able to ship. Right now, you're a company of one, but you may be expanding. What's on the horizon? My younger son, Edward, he graduated from Nazareth College,
0: marketing degree. He is so proud to tell people that he's half Bosnian, half American. He's fluent in speaking Bosnian, Serbo-Croatian. He even can write and read in Cyrillic, which he's so proud of, and I'm proud of him. But he decided to help his mom. He's joining the company and he will be helping me and he will be working the New York market to develop the business and sell our products. And so I am looking
1: forward to sharing some results, you know, in a year from now. Fantastic. That's awesome. So tell him, since he's going to be helping with social media, that he needs to share all of the uh, stuff that comes through on social. Yes, from the podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's one of his responsibilities, and he is um, currently has a hundred sixty thousand followers himself.
1: What? Wow! I need to see his
0: Instagram then. Edward Bayer. He can reach a lot of people through his platform. He's always looking for opportunities. He's talking with boutique wine shops down in New York City. It is easier to sell our products to a small boutique wine shop that is proud to offer natural, rare wines to their customers. And so they're not afraid to educate their clients. But Eddie also does wine tastings as well. Follow Eddie Edward. Follow him on his Instagram and Wines of Illyria Instagram uh, for those opportunities to taste our wines.
1: And, dear, I want to thank you so much for joining us on Podsetter. It's been really educational and fun conversation. I want to wish you good luck with the label and the brand of wine. I look forward to many glasses of wine in my future. Thank you, Renee, so
0: much. Thank you, Joelle, for having me on this podcast and giving me a chance to tell you about my brand, Wines of Illyria. Thank you so much for your time.
2: Your story is very inspiring. We enjoyed having you. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and share PodCetera, and be sure to follow and like the series wherever you enjoy podcasts.
1: For PodCetera, I'm Renee Lego, and I'm Joel Lodovich. Thanks for listening. See you next time.